this is Trudy Morgan Cole, and you're listening to Shelf Esteem, a podcast about interesting people and the books they find interesting. And I've got two great guests with me this week. I've got Jean Graham, who is a book reviewer, and Amanda Will, who is in the publishing business. She's director of Boulder Publications. I also know both of them from being on the board of Persistence Theater, a feminist theater company, and they had a lot of interesting things to say about books, although we kind of jumped in in the middle of the conversation when we had been talking about books we liked as kids, and Amanda said she was a teenager for a really long time, so we'll pick up there. All right. I, I really want to hear later why you say you were a teenager for a really long time. But I want to I want to start uh, by asking, and either one of you can jump in, what's something you've read lately um, or relatively lately that's left a big impression on you? I've been reading, I have an old friend, Kathleen Winter is an old friend of mine, but uh-huh. for some reason I missed a bunch of her books. Okay. So I sort of got them all and I've been reading through them. Uh-huh. And I was really taken with her Lost in September. Oh, that's her most recent one, isn't it? The most recent one, uh-huh. which is a really different take on James Wolfe and, and on war. And I read some reviews of it that weren't very flattering or uh-huh. unreviewed, but I, I really liked it. I, I thought it was neatly contrived and it probably wasn't a historical novel and you know if historical novel is is your favorite genre you might not like that all the history isn't there but it was a, a really neat take on war and soldiery and modern day people okay. and issues it was just great oh, i haven't i haven't read that one i've read a bunch of her other ones i think I think when i was looking after you know, trying to figure out what did I want uh-huh. to think about. I was downstairs at, at, where my books are, and I saw um, Necklace of Occasional Dreams. Oh, which yes. Is the yeah. first book by Kathleen. Yes, that yeah, I, I remember I that read. one well. And, uh, you know, and I still remember Juliet, not Juliet, sorry, Esther selling them door to door. Door to door. Make money, money for ballet school. But it was, um, I read it, and and I remember her discussions as well on radio with Peter Zosky about it. It was uh-huh. really interesting. But I really, um, because that was really a little bit before I, I knew who Kathleen was, and mostly I think through you and, and Liz, because mm. they were friends growing uh-huh. up in Cornerbrook. Um, but, you know, and then her husband was dying. And, and writing through that, watching her go through that journey was really mm. interesting reading it. Yes, and, yeah. You know, knowing her as sort of different person from that, having not really moved on, but uh-huh. this is, I knew the Kathleen after Jim. Yes, right? yeah. And Jean and Esther and then Juliet, and it was it was really, uh, but fascinating though. Not yes. about war at all. No, no not no. about war. Kind of well, war. Domestic war. It was an internal war. Yeah. And there were some things, but I remember it's scathingly one, honest book. Oh, oh yes, yeah. 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 Really, yeah. It was really good. I read that years and years and years mm-hmm. ago. And then, of course, I read Annabelle, which oh, yeah. is amazing. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I haven't read Lost in September yet, but. You should. Yeah, I'm sure I will eventually. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely on the list. Well, I guess mm. Annabelle would sort of work as a, as a, almost a little bit of an internal war as well. Yes. Yes, With, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Your family wanting you to be somebody else and you being somebody else. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And that was a Giller nominee. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, we yeah. A party yeah. Down at the we did. We did. Yeah. It was my daughter's nineteenth birthday, actually. Oh, cool! It was really. It just happened yeah. to be the date of the Gillers, and uh-huh. so we went down to the Duke, and these guys uh, set it up, and uh-huh. uh, and I, I said, "There's something about that date, November 9th. Oh, <laughs> damn! My daughter's nineteenth birthday, so she had her first legal drink in a bar with her parents' friends. Because oh, that's nice. She's really cool. We <laughs> <laughs> were celebrating Annabelle uh-huh. winning yeah. the Gillard. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was, it was pretty cool. No, it did. Did it? It didn't actually win the Gillard, did it? Or was it? It no. was just. It was nominated. No. Yeah. I can't. It was nominated for all kinds. Yes, of things, it was nominated for a lot of awards. Anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of award winners, I have just finished Joel Thomasine's We've All Been Burnt in Our Beds Some Night. Have, hey. have either of you read it? I have. I yeah? Have. What did you think? I thought it was... I haven't liked a lot of Joel Thomasine's work up to now just because uh-huh. it's a bit too much, you know, yeah. like overdoing the character. Uh-huh. But this was like the culmination of all the skeety yeah. guys he's ever written about. This is they finally become... <laughs> readable literature and I was just I read that I don't know if I read it in one sitting almost I, for me almost in a I couple just days. Yeah. didn't want it to 
Really? That was exactly my experience. Now, I read, like, I like Down to the Dirt, and then I read Right Away Monday, and I'm like, he does this very well, but he's basically just doing the same thing. Exactly. And then when I read The Pricey for this book, I was like, that's, and I guess it's partly because, I mean, most authors, I think, have a thing that they do that they tend to do over and over. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I do. I I can see certain things in characters that I do over and over. But... I think because he's an actor as well, and every character he plays <laughs> yeah. is also the same character. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I read the piece, I was like, oh, it's going to be the same thing again. But I, went, after it won the Governor General's Award, I was like, I have to, to read this and, and see what it... And it was, it's exa- like, like you said, it's the culmination of this character that he's been building in all mm-hmm. his works. This is like, this is the book that it was meant to be. So it's amazing. Is it going to be Little Dog? Which is going to come on to you. Yes. I'm just wondering. Is it tonight? Uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow, tomorrow night, yeah. But oh, although, now when you're listening oh, to this podcast, it'll that. already be in the past. But that's okay. Right. <laughs> because I was wondering, I've read Down to the Dirt, and I've yeah. read right away Monday. Mm-hmm. And I read then, of course, what he did with Marnie's Press. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, Say Nothing yeah. Saw Wood. Yeah. Yes, and, um, yes and, and that was a play, too, Yes, right? play yeah. as well, yeah. And then there was another book that every second word was fuck. Yes, yeah. Yeah. you know, which was absolutely entertaining. He read from that at the Arts and Culture. Yes, right. I, I haven't. I wasn't at that reading, but I've had it reported to me, told to me by so many people who were there. People who thought somebody was having an argument first when they yes. walked past yeah. where it was happening because yeah. they heard, you know, yeah. all the profane language, yeah. Yeah. and then they realized, oh, it's Joel Thomas. Yes, it's Joel Thomas. But it was uh, so I read those, and I have this one as you know, the nights on yeah. table. So mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like everything he's done has just been leading up to this, and this uh-huh. it's so. Oh, it's so well put together. It's amazing. Everything he does blows my mind. And in, I in almost read it by accident, really, because yeah. I had it. I get books for reviewing. Right, it was right. there. And I put it in, I think I was, I've been going back and forth to Cornbrook uh-huh. this, this fall. So I tucked it in my bag, mm-hmm. I think by accident. So I was at an Irving station eating, and I thought that was the only book I had. Okay, I said, <laughs> uh-huh. oh, fine, I'll read this book. And I just like read it and read it and read it. And I, you know, I didn't want to drive. I just yeah. wanted to keep reading it. You stayed at the, at the big stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bring worse, me some coconut. There's worse places pie. to stay than at an Irving Big Stop reading a Joel Thomas Hines novel. Actually, but, that sort of works, really. It really yeah, does. Yeah, yes. Probably, yeah. yeah. And it's a road trip novel too. And you know. Yes, and it is not a super happy out. and successful road trip, but it is a road trip. But even then, like you're reading it and you have the. The feeling that this is not going to end well. This no, is really, no. you know, but but it's it's compelling. It's so, so compelling. Yeah. It's so compelling. I, I was. Bl- it's it's not often that I read either the Giller or the Governor General's Award and think, yes, this was the best book published in this country <laughs> this year. And of course, you've never read all the other books anyway. But yeah. uh, I really did feel like maybe this was the best book published in Canada this year. Yeah. <laughs> What have you read? What have you been reading lately? Other than, I, I, I kind of preempted it with Joel Thomas Hines' books, but what else have you been reading lately? Well, Jeez. Kathleen's books right. I've been reading, and what else have I been reading? There was, of course, a new Stephen King book. I, I, uh-huh. I'm going to confess, now, which, this is not the sort of thing you confess on a literary podcast. Oh, no, this is an every kind of books podcast. But my favorite writer has always, I'm a always very lowbrow reader, and it's always been Stephen King. Well, first of all, I would argue I don't think Stephen King is actually that no, much of a lowbrow writer at all. I think he's very underrated he you know, is. by people who think. My, the re- only reason I don't read more Stephen King is because I'm really squeamish about horror. So I mm. tend to like the things he writes that are less. Like, I love um, 112263, the, the time travel one about yes, the guy who tries JFK. to prevent the JFK assassination. Yeah. Love that book but some of his others I won't read not because of not his writing but because the content is I'm easily easily startled see part of being one of what we were talking about earlier being teenagers forever (laughs) but when I was actually in my teens I read I went through a period of um, reading every horror Mm. Oh, really? Really? Oh, yeah, I did. Every, I know this is even going to sound weird. I'm surprised. But every, all of them, like, you know, and then all the movies. And one particular summer, I silly had an ATV accident. So myself and a friend were sort of holed up. She was with me in her house uh, doing, watching movies, Mm -hmm. these books, watching movies. And I don't know if it's because it was like our first brush with death. (laughs) 
you know, because it was, yeah. you know, was yeah. a, these, this was, you know, one of those three-wheelers, right, which right. nobody has anymore, very smartly. Because, and uh, so, you know, we were really happy to, <laughs> to still be alive. Yes. Mm. So we watched, like, we, we watched Pet Cemetery. We could sing all the loan songs that came out. <laughs> we read the books. The, and, but the books were always scarier, though. I always found the books The books are way better. Always are they? scarier, yes. I, I've uh, never really liked the yeah. Stephen King movie, I don't think. Uh, yeah, well, no, the Green Mile. I like uh, that. That's mm. that's really good. And the one with the kid. And oh my God, some of the what was that? No, that was a different. The, one. St- the Shining. The, the Shining, and there was other horrible other movies. Ones, yeah. <laughs> great, book, just, horrible. great book, yeah, horrible you know, movie. Well, that happens a lot. They were different, but we went through a whole. You know, we watched all the the howling, like really, really oh, trashy. Yeah. The, <laughs> oh, the Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. You name it, we watched it, and it was just like I think at the end of the summer we came sort of crawled crawled out of her, you know, den. <laughs> Thought, oh, it's fall. Thank God, we should go back to school. You know? I've known Amanda for almost thirty years, and I and never you never knew, knew that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew you had had an ATV accident, but <laughs> but not about the summer of reading <laughs> well, well, Stephen well, King did. and watching you all the movies. Recovered from it, yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was pretty. It was, oh yeah, you know, Damien Omen, you name it. All those. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I've never had the stomach for horror. I'm way too squeamish for it. So now that you're not still reading all <laughs> yeah. of Stephen King to recover from an ATV accident, yeah. what have you been reading lately, Amanda? Lately, I've been. Um, well, I've been reading a lot of manuscripts. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so trying to go through those and some of the, um, just from actually all over the country, which is really interesting, different things from everywhere. Uh, but one of the things that I read recently, I haven't read them all yet, but it was been the Neapolitan Quartet by <gasps> Ellen oh, Ferrante. I've never read yeah. those, but they've always been kind of on my radar. Oh, they are, they are I was given... A copy of the first one mm-hmm. uh, by a friend of mine, Enid, mm-hmm. who's in the Bahamas, and she's 83. Uh-huh. And uh, very, she loves reading new things, uh-huh. of course. So this came out in 2013, and she was fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. And so I've read the th- three of them now, and plus another another one uh, by her. And uh, they are very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like they are. Well, I don't know if they, they would be like your your last novel in a way, but they're about community and very local. Oh, that's area, nice. Yeah, I enjoy know? that kind of and thing. And so yeah. it's it's starting with them as uh, children and going up. Now I haven't read the, the last one, as I said, mm-hmm. but they've been fascinating. The whole thing around. Um, you know, there's a little not mafioso in that. That's a little further down in Italy, not <laughs> in Naples, but they they have a. You know, uh, it's mothers and daughters, and then the relationships of the daughters with uh, their, you know, who they love or who they don't love or who uh-huh. they think they should love and what they should be doing. Uh-huh. Should they be putting out? Should they not? It's very interesting. And then they go to university or they don't go to university, but they're fascinating. Oh, they sound great. Uh, yeah, they, so they've been very interesting to read. I've been, there's four of them. There's four of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, she was... Uh, and I didn't know this after after I read the first one, is that she was writing anonymously. Yes, there was a whole controversy about someone, well, try, was, they were trying to she out her. outed, yeah. eventually by, I think, a Guardian uh, reporter. And she's now doing um, um, a weekly, no, maybe a monthly article column for the Guardian oh, really? as well. And, mm-hmm. why, did, why was she writing anonymously then? Oh, she was writing because she didn't want, she didn't want people to know she was writing very maybe a little Michael Winterish. Oh, okay. It was very, okay people would, she figured people would know exactly who she was talking about. Right. Because she was huh. writing the characters that she from knew. life. Okay. Yes. Okay. So she was very worried about that. Uh-huh. And, but no, now she's of course been outed, and so it's it's fascinating. Oh, and that I don't is think so anything's happened to her. As yeah. As I know I haven't read anything about her mother or family. <laughs> you, know, doing, you know, putting out a. Call a good honor, but they were very, very interesting. They, these were ones that I, I had to finish reading mm-hmm. when I started them. Yeah, I had to finish this now. Wow. I think maybe this will be the year I'll finally read Elena Ferrante because she's been on my sort of to read radar for so long, and I've just never gotten around yeah, to the them. Relationships so. are really complicated, oh, and I love that kind mm. of thing. Yeah, it's just like oh my goodness, really, and especially this year where we've been doing a lot of stuff with like persistence and the Me Too and all of that. Yes, yeah. There's yeah. a lot. You know, you read this and you think, oh, you know, mothers are trying to help their daughters get ahead, but oh, <laughs> I, you know, marrying them off, not necessarily not, not a, a good, good way, idea. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the abuse thing. Are they said in the present time or past or what's oh, the... Well, like, they start in 
this is me writing about my friend in the present and oh, it goes okay. into the past. Oh, okay. It's okay. amazing. But there's a couple of scenes, like when I first started reading it, that I was just blown away by. Uh -huh. their, their neighborhood is so small. and They're just children. Mm. And you realize that they haven't gotten... Like all of a sudden they go, th they're going to the sea, and you you picture it's a really really long way to get there, and all of a sudden you realize these are five year olds walking down. The yes, yeah. And, and all of a sudden, oh right, I need to but amazingly just detailed. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I love really, that. Really enjoyed that. It's yeah. wonderful, yeah. I like some good description, not too much. I like I like good I like sagas. I love stories that you know take you through decades and even generations. Oh yeah, yeah. This I would love be that. That's that's my kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yes, I remember the first book I ever read like that was The Thornbirds. Oh yes, yeah. Books from the what was that the seventies, eighties? Yeah, it's yeah, massive. yeah. Australian. Colleen McCullough, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, and it was just. What and that's great. such a that's a saga. It was so yeah. eye opening. It was this whole family mm -hmm. really alive, and some of the you know small details of that. And I've just totally been a fan since. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mom had a very dog-eared copy of that. I think everyone had a very dog-eared copy yeah. of the Thornbirds in the house. I've never read it, but I seem to remember there being a copy around the house that looked very <laughs> I well read. Reading. I don't think I finished it, but I started reading it because Mom was watching the miniseries. Oh yes, yeah. Right, and then right. I was like, "Do you have that book?" So I, st I, uh -huh. I started reading it again, and I think I must have gone to university or started what reading horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got so distracted got somehow from finishing it. Yeah. Talking of dog-eared books around the house when you're young does segue kind of naturally into, and you've already sort of answered this with the Stephen King thing, but I know there are others. The books that you read when you were younger that left a big impression on you. Either one of you have any thoughts about those? I do. I, my parents were British uh -huh. and my grandmother... Um, after she retired from teaching, volunteered in an Oxfam shop or some kind mm -hmm. of a second-hand store. So she would take all the children's books that came in there and mail them to us. So every couple oh, of wow. months we would get these massive boxes of mostly hardcover books, but you could buy the paperbacks locally. But they were Enid Blyton. Oh, yes. And yeah. um, a woman called Eleanor M. Brent Dyer. And she wrote a series of, there must have been 30 of them, books called The Chalet School. Girls. Oh, yes, The Chalet School. I didn't read them, but I know a lot and of people have read them. Yeah. Young British people who, like, the series started in, I don't know, the 20s uh -huh. and, or the 30s, and they were in the Tyrol, the Tyrol. Yes, know, yes. Right? And uh, that's where the school was, the mm -hmm. chalet school. And it was a boarding school. Oh, yeah. Of course, it was a, to, to go back now, you think, oh, my goodness, this is so. But they are like the classic everything. boarding school books. Like, yeah. And, and the, you know, then the war happened, and they had to flee the Alps, and, you know, there were Nazis. They didn't shy away from any of that oh, wow. stuff. And they always had a girl or girls who were not conformist who you know probably had short hair and they were and Enid Blyton did the same thing and they were called things like George mm -hmm. and Bobby and, and, and Nancy had a George as yes, well right? yeah. and they had boys names and they were tomboys but they could do whatever they wanted and in the all girls school they did everything yeah. you know and they were so in a weird way even though Today, my, you know, my socialist self is going, oh, right, boarding, yeah, private, boarding, boarding school, schools yeah. in Switzerland, right? Mm -hmm. And the classes yeah. and the, they're certainly not racially, you know, no, there diverse. were no people of color mm -hmm. unless they were servants, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, but they were really, uh, it's but interesting to me. My own daughters never liked them. But. It's interesting, those 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 gender non-conforming girls in, mm -hmm. you know, like, like in Enid Blyton and in Nancy Drew mm -hmm. with, you know, girls named George. And, and just, like, it's interesting that this was a long time ago and they were putting in characters like these. Mm -hmm. Who weren't embroidering. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, and they weren't necessarily beautiful when they mm -hmm. weren't, didn't necessarily like boys, which yeah. is kind of an interesting... You know, I don't think George, any of the Georges ever had a boyfriend, right? I no. Don't think no, well, they wouldn't Ned. need them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, wait, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's easy to forget about Ned. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> forgettable. There wasn't much those to Those were the series that were, like, when I was started reading, um, 
my, my, we moved to Brown, Newfoundland a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm originally from Labrador City, right. so we moved down into Newfoundland, and wherever we went, Mom would hook us up to the lo- local library, Right. We always you know, got mm-hmm. involved and volunteered, so all this, any, the ser- any series for children that were in there, mm-hmm. you name it, right? The Little House on the Prairie, the Black Beauty, yeah, all yeah. Of those things, Cherry that, Ames all of the whole shebang. Those were like you know, just read right through all of those, mm-hmm. no matter no matter what. And um, but it was uh, I, remember, I always was fascinated by um, even what's the Bobby twins? I'm like, how many twins can anybody have? <laughs> <laughs> what are yeah. twins? Like I didn't get it. Like yeah, I just, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mom had actually explained it to me when I was. I like, knew one set of twins, but they weren't identical, right? And yeah, the Bobby yeah. twins really confused. I did. I did know a set of identical. But of course, the Bobby twins weren't identical. They were fraternal because they were each each speech boy, parent, boy and a girl. Dick and Nan and Flossie and Freddie were. I read all the Bobby twins books. As kids, like, but those were really sort of young. Uh, so I, I didn't have like bookshelves in my in our house because we moved a lot mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? But we always went to the library. The yes, library. yes. Yeah. Whatever, whatever we could get our hands. But oh, I remember yeah. living in Bishop Falls, and I was like ten and eleven, and. Um, I had read just about everything that was in the stacks there, and so I had gone over, morphed into like the biography section, mm-hmm. and I remember taking out books and the librarian, lovely woman, phoning my mother to ask if it was okay if I actually took these books out because they were definitely too old for me. Oh wow! And I was like, but well, what ones? She actually did come down and have a look, uh-huh. but I had actually read. Most of the pretty much all of the else, fiction right? in the library. So yeah. I started reading all these little biographies, but mm-hmm. I think the only time, the only second time she fell, mom was when I actually picked up Mommy Dearest. <laughs> and she was like, I have to check with your mom. Maybe not. That one. So yeah, what did your mom say? Did she say, oh, did she, I, she, she not kibosh at that, that moment? I think I, but when I was actually moved to Gamble and I was like 13 or 14, that's when. Then I you were old enough for Mommy Dearest. But first I read it, I started reading it in the library. Uh-huh. So I was afraid to bring it home. <laughs> But it was, but it, it was awful. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah the, you know, the writing may have been good, but you know, John, John Crawford was oh, it total. Was, yeah. Oh my God. I don't even yeah. think I ever. Yeah. would read that I've never read it I've, I, again it's one of those books that I've heard so many like things from it that mm. I feel like I know it without having actually yeah. read it but, yeah. and all of that too yeah. But, yeah. and I don't know if it's because there was a movie out at the time or you know, if there was a movie tie-in <laughs> but it was but it was there was just it was a lot of biographies mm-hmm. and the ones that I, and I don't know what it was I always went to the ones that looked like they had been read a lot because I thought somebody must like them yes yeah yes yeah, yeah. yeah. So exactly that's, you know the uh, you know the there was a couple on Winston Churchill I remember that nobody nobody took out. I don't remember what they are now, but I remember <laughs> they were just beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember doing that same thing, except we didn't move around, so it was always the St. John's A.C. Hunter Library for me, and I can remember working my way through a lot of the fiction in the kids' library, which was included, not the chalet school, but a lot of British children's mm-hmm. books. There was yeah. like an overload of British children's books, and I can't remember the authors or titles of any of them. I just have this overwhelming sense of like childhood Englishness that I absorbed from reading all these books. So there wasn't a lot of childhood Canadianness. No, well, well except for all the Ellen Montgomery books, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah except for all a bunch those. of those. And I loved those, all the Anne of Green Gables and I Emily like of New Moon, even more. I didn't like the first oh, really? couple, first couple, and then oh, I loved them all, like every single one. I think one. that was the the first series that I actually had. Mm. Yes, I had those. And I had an those. aunt who lives in PEI uh-huh. who Ooh. gave them to me, and that's why I had them all. Yeah. They were great. Mm. You know, we went to PEI more. the summer I was eight or nine, and I was given, probably by my mom, uh, the first Anne of Green Gables book to read, which now when I look at it, that's actually pretty advanced reading for an eight or nine year old. Like not the story, but the writing itself, because it, it's so nineteenth century. You wouldn't expect um, eight year olds to read no, it today. No, no, I definitely wouldn't. Yeah, up, I yeah, yeah. I think we we, we read at a higher level because that's what <laughs> maybe that was it. <laughs> but at the same time, like with the the, the Bobsy Twins and Nancy Drew, my great love was Trixie Belden. I had mm, all the Trixie. Yes. I love the Trixie Belden because yes. she was tough. Yeah, she was great. Oh yeah, Trixie yeah. was great, and there weren't as many of those like those books went to a certain level and then at least when I was 13 like they stopped there were no more of them as opposed to Nancy Drew which there appeared to be a literally endless supply of yeah but I think I had all the Trixie Belden books that existed at that Mm. time and it wasn't a huge set but she was so tough and badass I I wanted to be Trixie Belden so badly yeah Trixie I've forgotten about her but she was great yeah that was pretty 
priceless. Yeah, there was a nurse, Cherry Ames. Cherry Ames, yeah, was with the nurse books, yeah. yeah. And I read one of those. That and it was an older one that was like kicking around the house or my grandmother's house, probably from one when my aunts was young. Uh, and it was one where she, it was definitely from like the 1940s maybe because she was working in New York and as, mm-hmm. as a settlement, like a nurse in one of these settlement house uh uh, places for like lower income and, mm-hmm. and immigrant people and stuff. So it was a lot of really interesting social history in that Cherry <laughs> Ames book. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah Cherry Ames got around. She, she had she, a lot of different jobs. She yeah. didn't have a lot of job security, but she had an interesting <laughs> life. That's good, yeah. I, I don't think I've read, I know the name, but I haven't read Yeah. That. I only read that one because it happened to be around the house, but I know there was a ton of them and she was like, she was a nurse everywhere. She did every mm, job a nurse yes. could possibly do. She was on a cruise ship. She was on. In the Arctic at some point. Point, I think. Yes, yeah. 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 It's like Call the Midwife here. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, I read the book of Call the Midwife after oh. I watched the first few episodes of the series. I read her first book, like the, her memoir that it's based on, which is pretty cool. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I haven't read them. Yeah, I, I think there are others, but I just read the first one and it was kind of interesting just to see how. I'm always interested in how they take the raw material of a story and turn it into a movie or a TV show. Mm. You know, it's it's the whole process of adapting is, is really interesting. It is. It's, it's interesting. It usually comes up with something less good, but I think in the case of Call the Midwife, it's actually, I think the TV series is actually more interesting than, not that her memoir is not, but just because there's so much more story to the the, the TV series. Really? Yeah. That's, you're right. That's really unusual. Yeah, it is. But I think maybe it's more that way when you're basing it on a memoir because you can put in a lot more fictional stuff and give it a lot more drama if you're fictionalizing it. Whereas true. in the memoir, I think she was very, you know, she was telling her real true story about what had happened. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Less embellishment, maybe. Yeah. Speaking of adaptations, did anybody, and and once again, localizing this very much to the 28th of February, 2018, did anybody watch Caught Monday night? I did. No, Uh, I PVR'd it. Okay. I did, and uh, I read the book. Yes, I read the book, too. And actually, I went to find it again, and uh, then my mother tells me that she had given it to my brother in Alberta. Oh, no. (laughs) Great. Okay, so so I didn't have it there, but Uh, I I liked it, but because I couldn't, I hadn't refreshed my memory, I thought some of the things had changed. Yes, yeah, there were things I thought, I don't recall this being in the book. Yeah, Yeah. there was a couple of scenes where I thought, yeah, that definitely wasn't in the book. (laughs) But it was... it was still good to see. Yeah. You know? It's great to, to see. Uh, I'm all for like locally produced television. I, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as being as good a TV series as the book was a book, but you know you have to accept that it's a different it's a different format. It's a different genre. Visually, it's great. I love all the '70s touches and stuff. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think everybody says that they love the costumes. Yeah, the, the look, the costumes, Definitely. the hair, yeah. the cars. Yeah, it. and it's and it's also great to see. I mean, there's a lot of. Um, the like Paul Gross is in it. Yes. And there was a bunch of other actors who I didn't I don't didn't know their names, but I recognized them from Canadian. TV. Yes, yeah, They're yeah. Canadian TV actors. So it's employing so Canadian actors. Yeah, that's always that was, good. That's that always that a good great thing, too, yeah. right? And when did Paul Gross's hair turn white? I think. Oh, it was Paul Gross. Oh. I don't know, but it must have happened when he was doing the Margaret Atwood thing, recently <laughs> too, right? But Paul Gross was the, totally an adult when Alias Grace I was, was in that a yes, kid yeah. in the seventies, wasn't he? Like. Mm, not in the seventies, no. No, no, that was the when he was the Mountie. That was yeah. in the nineties. Was that the nineties? Yes, oh, okay. I think. Yeah, I he'd been around. Maybe I'm confusing him with someone. Could be. No, he hasn't. He's been around that long. Everybody loved him in Do South. Come on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Do South. Yeah. Do South yeah. is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Gordon Pinson, right? Gordon Pinson. Gordon Pinson. <laughs> Uh, which kind of leads into the into local books, and I, I asked you both to think about: Are there any books by local authors that you're really either, and it could be current ones or it could be older ones? And I know we've talked a bit already about you know mm. Lisa Moore and Kathleen Winter and Joel Thomas Hines, but what else? Anything else that's coming to your mind in terms of local authors? And I know you you know it's you're obviously a bit biased because yes. you are involved in the publishing yes. industry, Amanda. Yes. Uh, but it's okay; you're allowed to talk about Boulder books if you want to. <laughs> okay. Well, Boulder does sort of consistently put out good books. Oh yeah. Too. I think, you know. Yes, I am biased. biased, (laughs) We do a lot of nonfiction. Yes. And uh, I keep, um, I keep, I mean, Jenny Higgins, Mm -hmm. I will say, and this Mm. this is her second book, which I just happened to bring with me today, of course, (laughs) uh, Newfoundland in the First World War. And it is, 
like I go back, I went back to this a lot over the past couple of years because it was timely. Uh huh. being the hundredth anniversary. Of course, yeah. That. But I'm, and I've been, I've listened to her speak, you know, be interviewed, and I'm always amazed at how. Uh, how fantastic it is. The book is great. Having her speak about things in the book and some of the things outside the book mm-hmm. are amazing. And the way she put it together, because she's an archivist. And I, there were things in here I had no idea, really, about, you know, I knew we had a huge war debt that we had to pay mm-hmm. off. And that was part mm-hmm. of the beginning of the end of the war yes, yeah. of Newfoundland. But I had no idea that we didn't have... Because, you know, we're used to knowing that there's a military around, right? Like, yes, I yeah. Newfoundland did, yeah, I had no not, standing army at the no, time at all. No, yeah. And they were just, you know, people volunteered and went and did this. And and the way that she's described it, you know, the, the families and their letters to back and forth to each other and how they missed each other or, you know, the, their letter came and they got, you know, saying, hey, mom, I'm fine. And the next day they got a telegram mm-hmm. saying, no, I'm not. And um, so I really, I really enjoyed... I shouldn't say enjoy, but I found this book fascinating, mm. and especially that she added women into it as well, yes, yeah. and stuff, because they played such a role. Oh, yeah. And we often don't learn about that. That's a no. really beautiful book, and I love the way it's put together, and there's little yes, know, bits yeah, and pieces yeah. and things. Well, she really wanted those archival yeah. documents in there, so, you know, to does, have little postcards. Does stuff. she work at the rooms? Or? She doesn't work, no, she does all, a lot of her work at the rooms, oh, okay. but she works for the Maritime History Archive. Oh, okay. And she, so she also does material for the uh, Heritage website, Newfoundland. Yes, website. which has fabulous uh, the video clips, which are for anyone like me who teaches Newfoundland Studies 2205, fabulous Fabulous, uh, informative, short, informative and videos, and does. that's her work. That's I know, work, yeah. yeah. You guys have just reminded me of the first time I ever read Random Passage. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. And I remember reading it, oh, this is a local book, mm-hmm. and whatever, and just being astonished that there was women's history. Mm. And it was just, I mean, I've done history. You do yeah. history all your life. But the first time I read that, and that it was what women were doing here in Newfoundland, mm. and what it was... And yeah. it just blew me away. I still, I mean, now kids have to read it in school and they all complain about it. Anyway. <laughs> they do complain about things they have to yes, read in Yes, yeah. But the descriptions in that book of the women clearing the ground for the garden yeah. and the women and children working at the flakes during the summer, during the fishery, that, I mean, that stays with you. That stayed with mm-hmm. me for so long and as a piece of social history, yeah, of capturing, you know, the stuff that's not written down, the... Um, the women's stories. Another another great book for that nonfiction is um, Hilda Chalk Murray. More than fifty percent have either. Yes. Oh yes, yes, oh, yeah. which is yeah. a fa- I used that a lot when I was researching um, that forgetful shore, uh, because she did so much work on just the social history of the work women in the outports mm-hmm. did, and it's uh, it's amazing to have those pieces of research. Like, and, and cows don't know it's Sunday. Yes, that's yeah, right. that's, yeah, that's, that's about farming. farming history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, and Boulder yeah. had a book. Did you, uh, a book of photographs. Oh, working the rock. Yeah. Yes. Working the rock. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. that? I have. I, at some point, yeah. I think. I think that crossed That's my. That's fascinating. Range of Those photos are yeah. amazing. Edith S. Watson, who I, I mean, she herself is fascinating because she came up here for 30 years between 1896 and 1940, something like that. Mm-hmm. I get the dates wrong. And um, by herself with a massive camera, mm-hmm. and took pictures from May to August in fishing communities where most of the men weren't because they were yes, fishing yeah. so there were pictures of women doing the work mm-hmm. and the, the, one of the things that always that I didn't realize this whole barrel nobody uh, women would have this wear a hoop of a barrel so that the buckets they would hold the buckets on the outside so when they walked mm. the buckets didn't hit off the right. lose mm-hmm. the water but I had not seen this anywhere else uh-huh. and and people would come up and say hey I remember doing this wow right? and and of course we didn't have water in some of the communities here until the 60s uh-huh. so, course, so yeah. women you know are talking about it. It 70 yeah old women yeah. Rem- remembering that but that it's fascinating women's work but it's not in for example if you go to look although this is you you had a question about under books that are need to be read more yes I think yeah Prowse's history, history of Newfoundland does, but it is a judge writing 
a history of a colony. Right. And it's, a, it's one of the ultimate histories, mm -hmm. uh, colonial histories, but there's not a lot about women in it. No. And so, it's, no. of course, it's just 1896, so it's just before the suffrage yes, movement yeah. at all. So it yeah, it's classic like, old white guy history. Yeah, it is totally. really important, but there's also a lot of stuff that Prowse would never have thought to include. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a few ladies in there, but they're mentioned because their husbands yes, were there. Yes, yeah. 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 They did work for around the fires. And yeah. There was a lady O'Brien. Yeah. And, uh, but so that, that's the kind of stuff you would find in there. And if you're doing Newfoundland history, I think that's a good reference oh it's a great have. reference yeah but it's just it does have like I was going through it looking uh, when we were talking about you know women in history mm -hmm. years from yeah now. so I was looking through and I was like there's nobody in here you know the unfortunately the red Indians are mentioned oh so yes me yeah, right. Mary March and Shenandoah yes right? but that's but those are actually like two of the few women that yeah. are actually actually mentioned in the book. Well, Prowse's history is such a great example of all the gaps that there are in, you know, in historical writing. I mean, there's all these women's stories untold. And even among men's, I mean, it's men of a certain class and level of education. Yeah, exactly. There's all the stories of working men that are not, you know, that are not told, uh, which is where I think, you know, a lot of this social history really fills in the gaps. And there's like every time I've written a novel that's historical fiction, I thought I wish somebody would come along and write a nonfiction book about this topic and interview people because there's so many great stories that people tell you. Uh, and of course, if you're writing fiction, you're just looking for a through line through your own story. But I always feel I wish there was somebody coming along behind me to interview all these people and write a great nonfiction book about it. You must end up with it. a lot of information you can't use. Oh yeah, yeah, you always do. Oh, and I just feel like there's, you know, there's someone who, who, and, and there's always that sense of time too with history, like. You know, there was a point at which the last World War One veteran was dead, and there's yes. going to be a point at which the last person who remembers the Second World War is dead, and the last mm -hmm. person who ever dried fish on the flakes is going to be dead eventually. You know, and and if we don't preserve these pieces of history, then then these stories get forgotten. So I'm really glad you brought in some history books because I feel really strongly about that. And we have such a great history. We have such a oh, strong yeah. uh, working class history. I mean, mm -hmm. we have the early, early, like Cashin, uh, yes, the early yeah. FFAW, mm -hmm. or the, no, sorry, the uh, Coker. I'm yes, thinking of, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that was amazing thing. that is so amazing they built a like, town they, yes they, you know it's worldwide you know if you were yeah, it's, union it's the only union the built town in north america yeah yeah and yeah. that's i mean one of one of the things i like to to i can get really ranty about is is port union and the fact that you know there's so much potential there for developing that mm -hmm. as a tourist site if there was somebody who had millions of dollars to pour into it or if the government, you know, pour, because, I mean, it's great to see, like, I love what they've done with Trinity. Hi, Trinity, love you, love what you've done with the place. But, <laughs> but the story that a place like Trinity tells is a very... Um, it's a very classist story of, you know, it, it was the merchants running the, you know, yes. the, the fishing, the, the fishermen, you know. Yes. Um, but what was done in Port Union was so unique and so different and so strange in, in what Coker attempted there. And he didn't achieve everything he set out to do, but he achieved an awful lot. He achieved a lot more than, than anybody else did. It. Yeah, exactly. And and to see, you know, what they do have out there that they just don't have the money to keep up or, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's yeah, it, they're, they're working they're working with other nonprofits. Yes, yeah. The different houses. Yes, and that's just started in the last couple of years, which is great, but there's but it, so but much more. it should be like a national historic site. It absolutely site, should you know? be a national historic site, yes. Because yeah. it's so unique. In there. Like last year they had uh, special events in there, mm -hmm. conferences, and they're doing craft fairs in there now, and, and printing fairs. Yeah, you know, yes. Beautiful mm -hmm. printing press, of course, because he had the newspaper, right? Yeah, the advocate. The, and the, like, I'd love to see uh, the, the building that used to be the store out there, the mercantile, oh, like, at a time when, you know, outside of St. John's, there was no such thing as a big department store they had it there they had mm -hmm. an you know they had an elevator going on three stories in the building and it's it's an amazing piece of history it would be nice like you said if it was a Latin national historic site which is a bit off the topic of books but uh but you know again well, that's something really, there's else some good books and there's, yeah. there's we have to get back to working class history i remember a play that um it was originally, I think, a radio play. Catherine Welburn Catherine and Chris, Chris Brooks, Brooks did. It was yeah. called Power of the People. Oh, yes. Power yeah. of the Unemployed. Power, Power of the Unemployed. Power of the Unemployed. Pious Power. And mm -hmm. I never heard that story right. until yeah. I saw the play and then I read the play and then... And then my daughter read it. Katie ended up doing a you know a big paper on uh -huh. it at school just because she'd never heard of it. Yeah. And it's 
it's just working class history, and everyone knows about Sir Richard Squires and mm -hmm. Commission yes. of Government the later. Yes, yes. You know, well, yeah. Story. When we went to see. Um, the, the uh, stage version of Colony of Unrequited Dreams and, and my daughter who's very interested in theatre loved it mm -hmm. um, and then she said to me she said that part like when they rioted and they stormed the, the government I was like did that really happen and I said oh yeah that really happened like mm -hmm. that was that was the closest to you know an uprising we've ever had here in Newfoundland and that's a piece of your history that you should know about so yeah this, it's, uh, it's amazing though right that sometimes I'm People don't know these things, yeah. and I and you know we we talk about it, we know about it, and I'm mm -hmm. wondering where where is that where is that missing piece? Mm. Is it um, in the education system? Is it just the books we read, or there's so much now that comes? You know, there's so much TV and there's so much Netflix, yes, yeah. You know, and mm -hmm. you know where uh, are we not talking about the things that are important? I don't know, I don't know. Okay, if they're missing it, but I'm glad to know she was fascinating. Mm. Yes, oh yeah, because I sure. mean it's all you know Wayne Johnson writes the Colony of Unrequited Dreams is mm -hmm. a brilliant book. It's amazing yes, piece of that, work. It absolutely is. Yeah, and the stage play is, if anything, even more amazing. I think I actually love the, the. Speaking of adaptations again, I think I actually love the play of of Colony even more than the book, oh. which is saying something. Yeah, the play is by Robert Chafe, so you know, of course, yeah, that's Robert great is too. Brilliant. Yeah, Robert and, and it's brilliant. just a, it's a he great production. He has a book of short stories. He does. Two Man Tent. Yes. And yeah. I was very taken with that when mm. you asked about things. I yes. Read. It was a while ago I read that, but I remember thinking this is really neat. Yes, right? he's also a really good short story. It's 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 actually criminal that one person can be as talented as Robert Chase. It is, and perhaps he's really more than one person. It's possible. Yeah. There are two people in in the one trench coat pretending to be Robert Chafe. <laughs> but his plays are so big, and and you, they they're just so there's so much to them. And then the stories were just so finely tuned mm. to the little details. Yes, mm. yeah. Yeah. Maybe he wanted, he needed the, to do a different focus, and that's Maybe. why he does the stories. I mean, he brings stories. those powers of observation to his dialogue, too, but, you know. It is, it is. I mean, and the short story and the play are such very different mm -hmm. genres in a way, but that it amazes me that anyone can do both so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are the books that you would that you, you want to recommend to other people, that you want to tell people, you should read this book. Are there books like that for you? You've brought in a stack of books. Yes. There. Are any of them in that category for you? There, there are a couple here, yes. I have, uh, oh, this is the teenage one I was talking about. Oh, we have to get back to yeah. that, yeah. Um, these are two recent books that I was fascinated with, um, and they were published last year. This one is actually... Uh, by uh, this is children's poetry and verse from Atlantic Canada. It's a collection mm -hmm. by Sherry Fitch. Oh, she's of course, yes. so yeah. many children's books, and Anne um, Hunt, who uh, helped her with this, and so she's gone through Atlantic Canada. They there was not there's poetry books, but nothing, no children's verse like Rob McGraw had done a collection mm -hmm. of Newfoundland nursery rhymes. Right, yeah. But this has um, a different. A collection of everybody. So you've got some Alden Nolan in here. There's Kathleen Ritter one in here too. Oh, really? Which is interesting. <laughs> Tom Daw, of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And, but the, it was beautifully put together. I mean, they have this, you know, old-fashioned kind of ribbon. And yeah, it's it's a physically and, lovely book. Yeah. And Beautiful. it's called Whispers of Mermaids and Wonderful Things. Mm. And it just, I was, I read the whole thing. I just couldn't stop mm. recently wow. because I just there were ones that, that I beautiful. remembered. Yeah. So it's like uh, there's Kathleen's on Etiquette Day, mm -hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, William Bauer, people who I didn't know and I hadn't heard of. So it was, she's been doing this, I think, wanting to do this, Cherie, for 30 years. Wow. Now, she also recently just opened up a bookstore in Nova Scotia herself. Good for oh, her. Yeah, really? I, Yay. I have yeah. such admiration for anybody yeah. who opens a bookstore she, at this absolutely. point in history. It's a beautiful name, too, which I... Oh, uh, Mabel, Mabel Marple's Bookshop and Dreamery. Yes. So Mabel she's Marples. been wanting to do things like this for a while. In and Halifax. Halifax. Yeah. Uh, no, it's outside of Hal Halifax, I believe. But, yeah, River, River John, Nova Scotia. Oh, okay. So they have a little hobby farm, too, so this woman does a number River of John, I know, as a place you drive past on your way to other places. Well, I think so. this is why she's <laughs> yeah. opened this up. And Anne Hunt was working at UAB Early Childhood Center. Okay. So the, and so the two of them have been wanting to do this for a really long time, going back and forth. So it's a beautiful, it's beautiful. Uh, Ellen Bryan Obed, so there's some yeah. Newfoundland yeah. and Labrador writers in here. So I was amazed by it, because all in one place, Lucy Maud Montgomery, who we were just talking about. Yeah. So it's really a lovely 
a beautiful gift book, mm-hmm. but I just was, when I started reading it, it's just pretty and it was good. Mm-hmm. But this one is something else. This is Powered by Love and um, Atlanta Landsberg Lewis and Joanna Henry. So, um, like, it's Goose Lane put it out, but it is, the, it's the grannies. It's oh, the, about okay. the granny movement. Okay. Uh, the, so the Terranov grannies are in here. Uh, Jill Whitaker, big picture in here, is great. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I knew it, there had to be one. She went on. This is about uh, working against AIDS and power of grandmothers. And wow. uh, so the, the Student Lewis Foundation. Uh-huh. So they went. Uh, Ilana, his daughter, went to um, Africa and they were touring. And I, I think they found that at these meetings that it was the grandmothers who were doing the work, the grandmothers who had the children because people our age all died. Right. Actually, yeah. some of the grandmothers are our age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the power, and so th- it's about that. It's about how can we help the, the grandmothers in Africa mm-hmm. bring their story, like to raise money for them. Like they were totally being ignored by all of the fundraising groups and mm-hmm. the UN, in all of the mm-hmm. WHO, uh, the World Health Organization, because they didn't see them. Mm-hmm. Right, the grandmas are just doing the work because the mom and dad have dropped dead you know, of AIDS, yeah. and I'm now taking care of these children who may or may not have AIDS. Yeah, right? right. And in my home, and I have no money. So they, as they were doing doing some work around the. Um, for the AIDS Foundation, that that's how they found the grandmothers. And then they got all these Canadian grandmothers who were interested and had a big conference. And it's just, it, anyway, it was, it's heartbreaking and heartwarming all at the same oh, time. So it's amazing. I was, yeah, so I was amazed by these two books that oh, I, I read recently. And they're, they're not local, but they're Atlantic yeah. Canadian. Yeah. You know. So that was, yeah, so that's what I... And now I have to ask you about 100 years, 100 years of solitude there on the top of your stack. What, 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 what brought that in today? Um, 100 Years of Solitude. This was, so when I was a teenager, beyond all the, the horror books that I read, I also loved, totally on the other opposite side, anything by Brontes or yes. Austin. Right? Loved it all. Just, you know, all the romantic heroines doing all mm-hmm. kinds of things. And so I went to university and was doing English. Yes. And these are the books that I'd read. Right? I don't think I'd read anything Canadian except probably Lucy Mott. Yes, yeah, you recommended right? Aretha Van Herp to me early okay. in my knowing. But of that you, was right? probably from uh, we we were in in the Masters in English program together. Oh, so okay. yes, that's where I read Aretha Van Herp. Yeah, reading course, and which was eye opening, and I'm really glad mm-hmm. that she made us do. Yes, that. yeah. Uh, shout out to Noreen for that. But um, I moved in with. Um, Got out of residence, which I didn't really like that much, and moved in with uh, Christine Campbell, mm-hmm. where she's teaching the science department uh, oh. in Grenfell. Uh-huh. And uh, she and I didn't have any didn't have any books with me, and she's like, I have some books you want to read them. So and I was, you know, still thinking of you know Emma and all of these <laughs> wandering things, across the moors, and, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> lent, you know, and so she gave me one hundred years of solitude. And it blew my mind, literally. Mm. Like, yeah. I, the Spanish mysticism, I, what magical realism, whatever mm. you want to call it, I, I, I was amazed. I was like, somebody can write like this? Like, mm. I don't understand. Mm. And I don't know how many times I read it. This is actually the same book that she did. Same copy, I yeah. I kept it, never gave it back to her. <laughs> I couldn't bear to part with it because it, it was so uh, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable to me, right? Mm-hmm. So the, she so she told me to read this one because she had, I think it, this was 1967, but uh, 1985 was when Love in the Time of Cholera came out, which yes. showed there was a resurgence about Mark. Yes, Marcia yes, Marquez. yes. And so I read that one afterwards, but this one was still the number one. Mm. The way he wove the stories together and so many lives together and the war and, you know, it was just, and it was poetic. It was mm. everything. So I really, and the last time I read something like this was actually Galore. Oh, you know, Galore. So I, I love Galore so much. Yeah. But it was like I read also Isabel Allende and stuff as well. Yes, after yeah. This, which was amazing. Yeah. But that was, uh, but I was surprised by Michael Crummy when I read Galore, you know. I was like, wow. So I, I've been meaning to ask him. And Michael, if you're listening, I want to know. <laughs> like, did you read this book? Is this what you were doing? I think it's been established that Michael Carmody does not listen to this podcast because he hasn't yet responded to the fact that Bernie Stapleton is scared of him, oh, uh, which okay. came up in an okay. earlier podcast. Right. Not scared of him, deeply intimidated by him, which I thought was adorable because oh. they're both such amazingly talented say, people. Yeah, yeah I think. But Speaking anyway. Multi talented. Exactly. Right yeah. There, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll have to get Michael on the podcast someday to respond to all the various comments <laughs> people have made about him. But yeah, Galore is, is an 
amazing piece of work, yeah, and it yeah, has that same. Is, I have I have such embarrassment over the fact that I've never read One Hundred Years of Solitude, and it's really one of those books that I feel like there's a gap. No, because I might never give it back. You should know better than to loan it, but I have to put it on my list. This actually came from the Mun Bookstore, believe it. Oh yeah, right. I mean, she actually so Christine bought it in the Mun Bookstore and loaned it. Made the mistake of loaning it to you and never got it back. I did give her back because the same time she also gave me the color purple by Alice Walker, which also yes, I read that at about that same time period. You guys are such good friends. How amazing to get those two books from the same person. But I gave that one back to her because it was inscribed by uh, somebody, and I. But I'd found mm. it just, I think, probably a few years ago, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Mm. So I actually packaged it up and beat it nicely and wrote her a note yeah. and said, "Here's your book. I'm keeping the other one." Oh, it's uh, great. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, but it was also uh, a book that was incredibly powerful mm. because I had never, you know, had I read anything that it, you know, wasn't, you know, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, yeah, kind of with a, a person of color. Oh in it, gosh, you know, yeah. And uh, and the the About heartbreak women. and again it's the, the women's story yeah and, the, oh. and mm-hmm. you know and moving moving beyond that it was mm-hmm. yeah yeah the color else. purple is amazing yeah, yeah and I never saw the movie until many years later which was really good mm-hmm. as well but mm-hmm. the, the book was just. Yeah, you know, Alice Walker's writing was amazing, right? The, my, the I think anything by familiar. Alice Walker, just a couple of things. I'm really bad with titles. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong person to invite to. Oh, that's okay. It's sort of a podcast, but I think anything I've read by her, I've always sort of carried around with me for a period I, afterwards. But I read, yeah, I read The Temple of My Familiar and then I wanted to have a familiar. <laughs> and wondered why I didn't have one. And then I became even more envious when, you know, the Harry Potter series came out and everybody had, you Everybody know, had, had an owl. An owl. <laughs> yes, an owl. Their owl or, 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 had, or, the, or the projection, what is that? Oh, the Patronus. The Patronus, yes, Patronus. Patronus. Right. 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 Of course, yes. Like, why not? Why can I not have one? <laughs> Why can I not where's generate the, a Patronus? Magic realism in my life. <laughs> but yeah. So, so do you know what your Patronus would be? Are you one of those people who's like figured out what your Patronus would be? Probably be like you know a mouse or something. <laughs> no, I I haven't. I thought about different things, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, at the moment I'm just thinking of a really cute puppy. <laughs> But you could be kind of fixated on cute puppies at a moment. Yes, yes. I have a familiar, yes, a four-legged real familiar. (laughs) You do now. So, yeah, but that was, no, I haven't. But I figured that it would, you know, I really wanted to be that big leaping stag. Yes. Little thing would come out and go beep. Yeah, yeah. Philip Pullman, you know, they had yes, the, well. the, da- yes, Damon, the yeah, da- yeah, yeah, yeah. Damon, that's what they called them. Yeah, like those, that, that, that whole series of uh, the the Golden Compass Golden and, Golden Compass. and Amber's yeah. Spyglass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's oh. an amazing series too. There's so much better books for youth than there were when, like, I, I was a child in the '60s and in the '70s, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah. yes, there was a lot of British schoolgirl books, and yeah, but it seems to me that the books my children had were better. Were I mean, there was this series called Redwall, the Redwall Abbey books. Oh yes, and they were yeah, British. I've heard of them. Were, yeah. Uh, there must be dozens of them. We used mm-hmm. to, they're, they're all really, you know, 400, 500 pages. And we'd lie in bed and read them myself and my two daughters. And mm-hmm. they're animals and they're talking animals. And so they shouldn't be as wonderful as they are. But, but they are. Yeah. They're just fabulous. And Harry Potter, which mm-hmm. is a, that series was so great. And oh, yeah. Uh, but you know what actually made me go back and read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Afterwards, the Chronicles of Narnia. After I read Harry Potter, right? Because the kids were reading yeah. them, right? Yeah, so I was yeah. reading them with oh, the kids. I forgotten about that. And yeah, I, you know, they and I think I kept reading Harry Potter when the kids stopped. <laughs> they, they didn't read yeah. the Lab of Cursed Child and all oh, that. Oh, really? I've read them all. Yeah, and they yeah. Read it. It's really funny how somehow that they stopped and <laughs> you never outgrew them. I didn't, no, I didn't. Right? <laughs> I was really glad that my, like, my son read the books, read the Harry Potter books. Myself. My daughter did too, but a couple of years later, she was a couple of years younger. But the last Harry Potter book, when the Deathly Hallows came out, I read it first. And then 
Chris was, I guess, a little behind me and, and catching up because he was he was still a kid at the time. Uh, and so when he got to that one, you know, he was reading on his own. He was probably 10 or 11 then. And I was like, can I read the last couple of chapters of The Deathly Hallows out loud to you? Even though, like, he was a little <laughs> past the age of reading out loud, but I so much wanted to. And oh. and then I can't read the Into the Forest chapter of, of The Deathly Hallows without break. I can't even talk oh. about it without crying, much less read it without no. crying. So I have this great memory of just lying on Chris's bed, reading it out and bawling and bawling. Oh. That's really nice. Yeah. Actually. So those, those are great books that, that was horrific like it was a scary it was a scary book oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad yeah. And all of that right? yeah. yeah yeah it's got all the emotions <laughs> it has all the emotions <laughs> in it the Pooh did too. I'm just oh yeah oh i used to ball over that last chapter of winnie the pooh when christopher robin says goodbye to him oh, oh my goodness that's intense oh, yeah. <sighs> gavin used to read it to the children and it was he'd come out gavin and he did all voices oh yes last time he read it out to the kids he sort of felt that he knew it was the last time and he came out and what a mess he was a total mess I could cry thinking about that too it was so sweet reading aloud to kids is really such a I don't know whether it's a better memory for them or a better memory for me as you know those times of the books that we read aloud together my kids do still remember me reading The Hobbit and making up all the tunes to all the songs Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. I used to sing all yeah. the songs in the Hobbit. And just make and I, yes, to for context, I'm a terrible singer, like oh, really, too. really bad. And well, my yeah. son has near perfect pitch, and even did from a child, so he could tell even at like six or seven that I wasn't doing this well. Oh no, but, <laughs> he didn't say so. Maybe not then, but I think eventually he did point out that maybe I was not the greatest singer of Tolkien songs. <laughs> well, well, I don't think I've ever actually heard any Tolkien songs besides the ones that are in the movie. Yes, well, mm. but then when we watched the Hobbit movie, I was like, those are not the right tunes. Those are not the tunes I made up for them. No. It's like uh, the Robert Munch book, Love You Forever. Oh, right? yes, yeah. The first time I heard him singing that, I'm like, what? That's not the that's tune. That's not the tune <laughs> I've been singing all along. Right? Well, I think it's everybody's tune and everybody has their own. Yes, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Know, I believe that one is still like on the top bestseller kids book in Canada and has been one of the Munch books oh. has been on the top seller. It's probably Love You Forever because everybody buys it I, for people who have new kids, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then your copy wears out and you have to get another one. Have to get one another one, yeah. Have it in the house and then your kids move away so they need their own. See that's copy, a little sentimental for me. I always buy the Sandra Boynton books for anybody who has a new baby. Oh, the Moo Ba La 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 and but not the hippopotamus and all those. Plus they're board books so the kids can eat them as well. They can chew, chew on them. Oh, yeah. handy, handy. Very handy. Snacks, snacks. Anyway, we've gone all the way from Governor Generals and Giller Award winners right down to the board books and the Robert Munch <laughs> books. Is there any book anyone wanted to mention that we didn't get to? Well, I was just thinking, though, when we were talking about um, Michael Crummy mm-hmm. and magical realism, but uh, Sweetland was a book I read last year. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Sweetland. I was amazed by that. that mm. At the end of that, that was actually, I didn't know whether to cry or what. Yeah, I was a bit messed up at the end of Sweetland. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just like, oh, my goodness. I That's, kept forgetting to breathe. Yeah, those books. that was intense. Yeah, that it was, was intense. amazingly stark and devastatingly sad. And Because I'd been talking with somebody recently about resettlement stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that came up because of the the two fellows who were talking about uh, uh, suing the government for right, yeah, and stuff, and um, that would be interesting. But the uh, but we were talking about resettlement stories, and Arnold Copes had a resettlement series mm-hmm. there a few years ago, and but I was just thinking, reading that book is you could see why part of, you know I've heard of people who were resettled. My grandmother was resettled mm-hmm. from Silver Fox Island into you know Dover and. Um, and I was just wondering, reading that, you could see why people didn't want to leave. Yes. And how dangerous yeah. it could have been. Mm. Yes. But anyway, it was just lovely. Yeah. So that's, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, that's no, I mean, that's, book. yeah, sweet. And then I'm going to phone Michael and tell him he's going to have to listen to this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tell and him it's being talked about I much. I want to mention Stan Draglin. Oh, yes. Because I can't remember either of the two. Well, one was Jerry Squires. He wrote this book right. about Jerry Squires. and. Yeah. That's Jerry Squires. Yeah, it's called, okay. I think it's called Jerry Squires. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, I think it's an Icer book, but maybe not. Maybe it's from Mernie. Is it Strangers and Others? Strangers and Others. Yes. Yeah. And it's just an amazing about the experience of coming here and mm. assimilating into the culture, but always kind of being an outsider. And yeah. I think 
I'm not generally a big fan of people from outside a culture telling people from who you yes, know who yeah. they are. But I I think that that's something that would but that is specifically a lot of Newfoundlanders yeah. and Labradorians to read. I yes, think. yeah. I think I think it's you know our our uh, reputation for being friendly and welcoming is we are, but only up to a point. Yeah. 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 And I think that I think that book plays around with that a little bit and explores that you know what are the mm. limits of our friendliness. Yes, and he's a, he's such a good writer. Mm. And that's what that's what in the Jerry Squires book for Peddler Press mm -hmm. to bring up Michael Crummy's name again. That's right, he's in there too. <laughs> he's actually in there. Because, Once again, we invoke the sacred name of Michael Crummy yeah, because because it says um, that because stands from away, uh -huh. even though he was really yes. good friends, yeah. uh, we got Michael to read. To write this piece. Yeah, so what did they call it? They didn't call it an afterword, or a, they called it a tribute, or not a tribute. I don't know. They called it something. It was odd. very interesting. It wasn't a dedication. I can't even yeah. remember. Mm. But I thought that was interesting when I read it. But yes. I had to get a bona fide Newfoundlander to write that part. Eh? Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, he's from Labrador. So <laughs> really, <just> right? <laughs> <laughs> well, what is a bona fide Newfoundlander? That's a whole other topic. But okay. I think we're and about out of time. We're about out of time of the books Thank podcast. You. Thank, Thank you. you so much. This it's was lots of fun. fun. That wraps up my conversation with Amanda Will and Jean Graham. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. If you want to check out the titles of any of the books we talked about, you can go to my website, TrudyMorganCole.com, click on the Shelf Esteem link, and it'll take you to a blog post where I list all the books that we talked about. I'll be back again in a few weeks with some more interesting conversations about books. And until then, read a good book and build your shelf esteem.